Welcome back. It's another episode of Elvis Reviews. I'm Billy, and Daniel's here. Hello. Hello. How are you? Uh, I'm good. <laughs> We're going to talk about an album. It's a live album. Well, an edited mm. live album. It's called... Elvis, obviously, mm-hmm. recorded live on stage in Memphis. Long title. Is that the full name? Yeah, long title. This is Elvis's third of four album releases in 1974, and it is his fourth live album in four years. It was, let's see, it was recorded March 20th, 1974 in Memphis, the same day his Good Times album came out, and this was released on July 7th, 1974. I have information that said it went to number one on the country charts, and number... Yep, eight. yep, I saw that. Which is weird because I don't find this country at all. No, it's really not. But I guess if you look at his studio albums around this time, a fair bit of country. But this is a live album and it's a lot more Mm -hmm. rock than it is, you know, it's rock and roll a lot more than it is country. But it's interesting it got to number one in the country chart. Yeah, I think country music in the the 70s or late 70s might have been a lot more pop than I think of country music as being. This is his first hometown concert since 1961 which is a pretty big deal he hadn't played memphis since 1961 so let's clarify that mm-hmm. i think he did four or five shows oh i see what in memphis on this tour mm-hmm. and I'm, i think this was the last concert is that right yes that's definitely correct but yeah this okay it's considered like one one stop you know what i mean in memphis yeah and so yeah because, yeah. yeah, I mean, there was the afternoon show, the night show. Yeah. Yeah, that's... And they just count. I know there's a bootleg out there, and it's called, like, 48 Hours in Memphis, and it's just, you know, straight through five shows in... Yeah, amazing. ...in that short time. Yeah, I don't know if people do that anymore. I mean, you don't really show up for a, a tour stop and do, like, an afternoon show, a midnight show, an evening show. Usually it's just one and done, and you're gone. But that is not the way Elvis toured, so... Yeah. Yeah, he did this sort of afternoon and night show. Yeah, sometimes for a lot of the, the time in Vegas. Yeah, sometimes a, a afternoon show, an evening show, and then a midnight show. And a midnight show, yeah, crazy. But I suppose as much energy as he put into the shows <laughs> on some tours, mm-hmm. they were only usually an hour, right? An hour ten, hour fifteen at some. But that's true. You know, it's not like he's getting up and doing a three hour show three times a day. <laughs> no, I can't imagine anybody, even Springsteen, would be able to do that. Yeah. <laughs> but this, there's a performance of one song on this album. It got a Grammy. Yeah. We'll get to, we'll get to which one later on. But I'm sure you Elvis fans already know which one that is. Yeah, we'll get to that because it's a song that had previously won a Grammy for Elvis as a studio version, and now the live version is winning a Grammy. Oh, okay, then didn't know. That. Yeah, and you'll notice the cover of this album is just a picture of Graceland. Which I feel... Yes, and not Elvis. No, I, I, RCA must have had a rough time in the 70s when Elvis just refused to do photo shoots. So it's all live concert photos, or in this one, they just they put his house on the cover. There's one, two yeah. or three albums before this where they found like a baby picture of Elvis and put that on the cover. <laughs> they were just, yeah, he was just not posing for photographs professionally in the 70s anymore. So they put his house on the cover. Yeah. I mean, it is, as soon as any Elvis fan sees this album cover, they know exactly what it is. Oh, yeah, I think it's cool. I mean, who else can just put a picture of their house on the cover of their album and people are like, oh, it's an Elvis album. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine yep, there it is. any other artist slapping their a picture of their house on the cover of their album and, and it working. I mean, even even Prince didn't put Paisley Park on an album cover, did <laughs> no. he? I don't think he so. Could, I've seen bootlegs with Paisley Park on the album. Cover. Yeah, and it's it's becoming. There might have been a there might have been like a tiny little representation of it on an album cover here or there, but not just no. the full album cover. That's the house. No, no. 
<laughs> you know, it came up on a previous one that we were discussing. We were talking about Elvis's house in Tupelo, and I did a little bit of research. Oh, yeah. And apparently it was as early as 1956. Elvis went there, did a concert, bought that land. Nobody was living in the house. And so he wanted ah. to create this youth center in Tupelo because he said where he grew up, where he was, there was no park. There was no place for kids to play. You'd have to go to like the other side of town. Nothing for kids to do except go and do some naughty right. things. So, yeah, Elvis bought that property all the way back in 56. And there was a youth center constructed. Wow. And eventually, like today, it's become a Elvis Presley museum and stuff. But yeah, that was... So that's been part of the... Well, it was owned by him since yeah. then and then in the estate's hands ever since he was gone. So that's... that's Yeah, wow. Actually, I don't know if the estate owns what's in Tupelo. Well, Probably. If, well, if Elvis owned it when he died, it must... Everything he owned should have just gone to the estate. He owned it... I'm but, guessing. Unless unless he had a will and he, like, donated it to the local council or well, something. Well, he did, ha he did have a will, unlike some other artists I could name. Um, <laughs> but, no, I think he donated that property kind of... He bought it, donated it to Tupelo with the directions that it be used for this purpose. Ah, so okay. they may still, whoever... So might not be in their hands I anymore. don't think it is, because you don't see much about... When you go to the Graceland website, there's no, like, link to the birthplace or anything. So I, I think they're separate. Ah, okay. Anyway, that's off topic, kind of. Correction. <laughs> right. So this concert that this album was made from did include roughly, I think, another six songs or something, including Suspicious Minds, Poke Salad Annie, yeah. uh, Steamroller Blues, and I saw a couple of reasons why they were cut. I mean, one was for time, obviously. There's only, there's only so much you can fit on it, two sides of an LP. Right. But the other one was to avoid repetition with Presley's previous live albums. Right. Like I said, this is the, the fourth one in four years. And it looks like, yeah, they cut seven. And this was his final. This was the final live right. album, I think, too, released in his That's lifetime. Fine. So, yeah, like I said before, this show was the last show of a fifth. It says 15-city tour, but I think it's a 15-show tour. I'm not sure. I'm not either, right? Because, like I said, there were five shows in Memphis. That's not one-third of the tour. Right. It was recorded live. In, it was sold out, of course, as I think all five shows in Memphis mm -hmm. were. 12,300 fans at the Mid-South Coliseum. And this is, again, the last And this was the shows. It was the final stop of the tour. It was the final city of the tour. It was the final show of the tour. Yeah. I did find a website which showed the actual all the cities on the on this tour, but I, I I'm I'm looking at it. I just I can't count them all. <laughs> I can tell you there were 152 shows in 1974. That year. Oh, and there's yeah. definitely more than 15 cities here. I mean, Las Vegas, Tulsa, Houston, Monroe, Auburn, Montgomery, Charlotte, Hampton Roads. Yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a big tour. Maybe he did two. I think after this show, oh, that's what happened. Okay, so after this show in March, he took a little break and then went back out again in May. So he was yeah. doing a lot of touring. Well, he did a lot of touring his whole life. That's why I get so bugged when people say, oh, Elvis just went to Las Vegas and got fat. It's like, no, yeah. he was on the road a lot. I mean, he did 54 shows just in 1977 before he died in, in different cities. None of, none of them in oh. Vegas. Yeah, anyway. yeah. Before we get into the mm -hmm. tracks... I have to say there's one thing I, I won't say I hate, but I really don't like about this album. Maybe you can guess no. it. It's this fake audience cheering and applause, which is all over this album mm. and not on the FTD releases where they took all that back oh, off see, I... for the proper release of the show. And it's after hearing the full unedited version of this concert from those FTD releases, you realize just how much 
crowd noise they added to the original vinyl. And it's it almost annoyed me because even before I had heard this, the full show, uh, I'll tell you why. The sound of the size of the crowd noise that they added doesn't match the sound of the band. Mm. Elvis and the band sound, they're up front, they're right there. It doesn't sound like a massive venue, and it's not. It's 12,000 mm. people. But the crowd noise sort of implies it's this, like, huge stadium or yeah. something when it's only, I mean, 12,000 people, still a decent-sized audience, but the sound that they added, the sound of that audience, it doesn't match with what I'm it was. Ask. And before I even knew the numbers and the size of all this, I just knew something didn't sound right about that audience noise. And then I started looking into it, and I'm like, oh, that's, uh -huh. that's why. See, I just listened to the FGD one and skipped over the tracks that the regular release skipped over. So I was hearing it. I'm going to have to go back to the original to hear, hear what you're talking oh, about. Oh, I see. You asked me before, are we record, reviewing the original album? And I said, yes. So you went and listened to the FGD. Well, I meant, I did. I listened to the FGD and I skipped the tracks that the original one skipped. I didn't realize that there was... The FGD one does sound better anyway, but it just... They've yeah. removed that extra. I didn't even know noise, about so. that. I mean, it doesn't surprise me. But yeah, I didn't even know that there was all this added crowd noise and stuff to the regular release. Uh, I got it on vinyl. I just haven't played it just, forever. Yeah, it's slightly oh, I, annoying. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> as we said at the start, we're reviewing these as they were released. And if you want to do that, that's fine. But if you want to hear this actual concert as opposed to this, you know, live yeah. album. They're two very different things. Yeah. I'd say go and get the FTD release, which has the full concert, unedited, without, you know, freshly remixed, without all this extra over the top audience noise. It's actually on YouTube and on Spotify. So that's where I found it. Okay. Well, I don't have Spotify, but I can um, certainly find it on YouTube. Uh, so that's about all for an intro, I reckon. Yeah. I think we can go. Yeah. Let's go. We have more of an intro. Unless you got any more? No. Like I said, this was more of an intro than this concert since they skipped the 2001 thing. <laughs> yes, that's true. They did. I know, and that's Again, that's. I mean, it starts off with the with those with the drums, and you're like, you know where it is, you know what we're up to, mm -hmm. but it's just it is weird not to hear. Yeah, since it's such a part of an Elvis concert. Yeah, it really sets the a, stage. A big part. Yeah, it builds all that anticipation, yeah. and it just, and it's there in the actual concert, but not on this release. I mean, it's cool. I understand they just heard 2001 on Aloha from Hawaii and on Madison Square Garden. One of the garden ones. Yeah, yeah. so they cut it. So let's go. We're going to go track number one. It's CC Rider <laughs> without the 2001 intro. So let's go. What do you got? Uh, I like the way it opens. I mean, the drums kick in really strong. It's a great intro. I don't mind missing 2001. Honestly, I used to skip 2001 a lot <laughs> when I would play these concerts. So I don't mind that it gets right into it. I suppose, I, I suppose after you've heard it about a thousand times, you're like, yeah, I don't need yeah. to hear it one more time. I'm already, I'm already excited to hear Elvis. I don't need the, this giant band. Yeah. But I went back and looked. This song is old. This is a song from 1924, originally by Ma, wow. yeah, by Ma Rainey. And it's very, the difference, the original is just a straight up blues song. It's nothing like this. Uh, Ray Charles does a version in 1950. Excellent. Still a blues song. The one to hear is Laverne Baker. She's fantastic. Look up Laverne Baker. She's great. Uh, she did the, the version that I think Elvis was most inspired by. She really rocks it. I recommend Laverne Baker just in general. She's really good. Man, Laverne is not a name you hear that much anymore. <laughs> no. I mean, the only Laverne that I can even think of is Laverne and Shirley, the TV show. And even that was what, not in mid-80s. You just don't hear yeah. Laverne anymore. Wow. Bring it back. And she is really somebody who, again, it's a name you don't hear, but she was 
really important to rock and roll in the beginning. She was really doing the same things that all of those innovators were doing in the early 50s. Laverne Baker did a song called Tweedly Dee, which, and she did it on the Ed Sullivan Show in 1955. Elvis sang the same song uh, at the Louisiana Hayride. So that but, is, am I mixing that up with Rock and Robin, or is that the same song? Oh no, totally different song. Totally different song. Okay, not that. No, song. I think Rock and yeah, that's a seventies. I don't know if it was written earlier, but yeah, that's a seventies song. No, Tweedly D, you might know it if you heard it, and you can find Elvis's version online. But Laverne Baker also had this answer song to an Elvis in 1961. Elvis put out a song called Little Sister. You must, you know that, right? Yep, yep. Little Sister, don't you do what your big Great sister song. done? Great song. Well, Laverne Laverne Baker wrote a response song in which the music is identical and she just changed all the lyrics and from her point of view she is the little sister so talking directly to Elvis <laughs> yeah so it's a real uh, interesting thing he had with Laverne Baker where she's like responding to his songs but anyway I think Elvis's version of CC Rider definitely inspired by hers always love it as an intro the drums are always great the guitar solo is great Elvis just sounds relaxed and he always sounds confident but I mean he he just sounds at home here. And he should. It's like you said, it's the last concert after four in Memphis. They're yeah. all sold out. I mean, he, there's no reason he shouldn't feel incredibly confident. So, no, it's, it's a great opening. I don't really miss 2001. And, yeah, that's, that's Something that's I've noticed is, I mean, I've heard a lot of Elvis shows, but there's just as many I haven't heard. But he never seemed to get visibly or audibly nervous on stage. I'm sure there's yeah. I'm sure there's some exceptions where there might have been some some sort of chemicals involved and his brain was right, a right, bit right. altered but generally when he was fine you know mm-hmm. the confidence and charisma he seemed totally comfortable just walking out to anything yeah maybe the first show you've got a bit of you know the first song you got a bit of nervous energy or something but then as soon as he's mm-hmm. comfortable it's like that's it off you go yeah i remember the last uh, the elvis in concert concert he says he's nervous but he just doesn't seem it. <laughs> but yeah, there's a line where he's talking to the audience and he says, oh, if you, the, the line is, uh, we're making a, we're recording here tonight, so don't let the lights and cameras throw you and don't throw the lights and cameras. <laughs> and then he takes a little break and says, if you think I'm nervous, you're right. Uh, yeah. But he, he was not, he did not seem nervous. <laughs> yeah, he never I, seemed I nervous. I remember reading stage. something about that and I don't think it actually said this, but from what I could gather, I mean, it was his first TV appearance he'd done in a while. Mm, yeah. And he wasn't as thin as he used to be. And I think that could have been part of the the, the reason yeah. for being nervous. It's like, you know, most people haven't, unless they've been to see me in the last year or two, which is not a massive amount of people. I mean, it's only if you're where he's touring. Right. You know, you, you haven't seen him and you don't know that, you know, this is what Elvis looks like in June 77. Yeah. And you wouldn't know from the album covers. No, no, they're all five-year-old uh, pictures. But it's such a shame that that final concert because he was he did better concerts, you know, like oh, yeah. a week before that, and he wore a better jumpsuit the week before that or so. It's just, yeah, I. It's a shame that final concert captured him in that sundial jumpsuit, which I don't care for. And yeah, it was not his. It was not his best. Because that concert's also a mix of Rapid City and somewhere else. There's two shows, isn't there? Yeah. But I don't, it's a mix yeah, of the two. But I think both full shows are available. I've seen them. I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. I've seen both of them in full. Yeah. But the I actual TV special was like a sort of mix of the best of this one and that one. Right. But that's not what we're talking about today. <laughs> it seems like it is, but no, it's not. CC Rider. 
CC Rider. Yeah, it's, it's a fairly typical start to the show. Nice guitar solo, as always, James Burton. Now, first song in, we get the nice breakdown, and then it's just instantly ruined by that fake audience noise. You get this, like, massive cheer, like there's 100,000 people. Oh, man, I should have listened like, to that one. And it's just like, what? What is this? That's just not right. And when you listen to the proper version, the original, mm-hmm. like, yeah, there is a bit of crowd, you know, make some noise at that point. But, you know, listening to the, the original version, it's just like, man, there's not 100,000 people. You don't need that sort of level of, yeah, you know, it's just crazy. I, I guess they thought, you know, coming after Aloha from Hawaii, which was seen by, according to something I just saw, seen by every third person on Earth which is an amazing statistic yeah. that can't be true. <laughs> but uh, I guess coming after that, they thought they just needed to make the crowd as big as, sound as big as possible. Uh, I don't agree. Yeah. It sounded, it sounds great without it. It sounds, you know, mm. it sounds perfect. It's an Elvis concert. Uh, yeah, that is a shame. I haven't gone back and listened to that. Anyway, I haven't got anything else to say about that. And I'll try okay. not to go on about the fake audience noise too much, but it is annoying. <laughs> yeah, no, so, feel free to point it out. I, I totally missed it. Track number two. I got a woman. Good song. It is. And this is this is another good version. And mm-hmm. I like he changes that line. Was it? It's normally Waycross Town, but he says Waycross Georgia. Yeah, he, he does. And I don't know. Yeah, it's odd that he did that. But yeah, because he's in Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he does say Tennessee in a later song during this concert. But yeah, I yeah. noticed that too. I got a woman, Waycross Georgia. So you know, you've got some great power from Elvis's voice on this. Mm-hmm. And then you get into Amen, which, like, if you listen to the original recording, mm-hmm. you know, of this track too, which I've always liked this song, mm-hmm. and as part of this track, and, like, yeah, JD does his low part. Yeah. He does it twice, uh, which happened a lot, I think. Yeah. I'm not sure when Elvis started, you know, that was his <laughs> little thing, but at some point he's like, I'm going to make him do this twice every night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did do that. But, um, yeah, it's a good version. It's fine. The funniest thing for me is at the end of this, where, you know, some girl's screaming out to him and he yeah. says, honey, I'll turn around as much as I can when I'm not getting busy falling off the stage. That's just yeah. the way that he says that just makes me laugh every single time because it's just you can hear the the comedy timing in his voice. It's just the way that he says it. It yeah. really makes me laugh every single time. Yeah, he always uh, anyway, he, he definitely had fun with this one on stage. I Got a Woman was the very first song he recorded at RCA. Also, ah, okay. another Ray Charles song, C.C. Ryder, again, also had been done by Ray Charles. He didn't write that one, but he did write I Got a Woman. And I Got a Woman is very, very similar to an old religious song called It Must Be Jesus. And so as weird as ah. I, I used to always think it was the weirdest thing in the world that he took this song called I Got a Woman and made it a, a, <laughs> med, a medley with Amen. How the hell, how does that work? But I Got a Woman was based on a religious, uh, an old gospel song. And that is really the way rock and roll part of the fusion of rock and roll was was mm. go- gospel with this sort of rhythm and blues thing and so yeah this is a very a, a very cool choice to do as a medley and again it's also it's a song that elvis it was the first thing he recorded after sun records he obviously must have so when you know when did he go to rca because sun records was really just the first year or two wasn't it yeah he he put out five singles with sun from 19 in 1954 and 1955 and then in 56 is when he switched to RCA. Because, you know, that's the thing. Sun Records sort of has this, you know, mythical status because that's where Elvis started. 
Mm-hmm. But he was really only there a pretty short time. And all, you know, he was with RCA forever yeah. after that, right? Yeah, but there are plenty of Elvis purists who basically say that the Sun Records, the two years at Sun Records was his peak. I don't agree. But, oh, come on. But they consider it like the, the most uh, stripped down, the most, you know, he was with this little label. And then we got with RCA, you know, he got more instruments on his tracks and stuff. So, yeah, there, there are people who say that. Yeah. If you're a rock and roll purist, maybe that's that's right. your thing. But the thing that I like about Elvis is his voice. And I listened to those early recordings and his voice. I mean, it's partly how they were recorded, but his voice is so it sounds so thin. Yeah and trebly there's no bass <laughs> no uh and he he sounds immature because he is mm-hmm. but then you listen to something like this show yeah and his voice is just you know this is the peak for the voice i mean yeah i, I said this before his voice just gets deeper and richer as he got older yeah i mean who knows what he'd be doing if he was still here now but uh, that, that early stuff as much as i like it and accept its place in history mm-hmm. it's not my favorite time yeah it's not my favorite time either but i i do love it and it is interesting to hear somebody who's discovering not just his own ability but kind of discovering the hybrid that becomes rock and roll and so yeah for that historical purpose i can definitely see why it's some people's favorites but i'm with you i think his voice only got better I mean, it was better in the 60s yeah. than it was in the 50s, and it was better in the 70s than it was in the 60s or the 50s. He just kept improving vocally. Yeah, his voice itself, but also his skill mm-hmm. and the ability to use it. Yeah. Like, he does some stuff just on this show, which we'll get to, mm-hmm. and you can tell the control at some points, and yeah, we'll get to that later. Anyway, let's <laughs> go to the next track. Lots okay. of tangents today. Mm-hmm. Track number three, Love Me. Good version, mm-hmm. although it's very short, mm-hmm. <laughs> minute and a half. Yeah. You've probably got this. After that line where he's, it's right near the start, where he says, break my faithful heart. And then he makes this noise like, you know, you're snapping someone's neck or something. <laughs> That's funny to me every time. Yeah. Again, every time I hear it, it's just, <laughs> it's, it's so good. Every time. Yeah. Did you ever go back and listen to Elvis's original of this song? No. Okay. Just curious. I'll wait. I'll, I'm gonna. I'm gonna wait till we get to the. Oh, good idea. Whatever album that's on. It is on his second solo album. Well, I don't, not solo. They're all solo. His second full album in 1956. Oh wow. Oh and, wow. So it's really old. Yeah. Uh huh. It's one of his first. Uh, one of his first RCA recorded ones. It's another Lieber and Stoller song, and. Yeah, the original to me is so good. The original is one of my favorites, and it's very bluesy, and Elvis really just throws himself completely into it. And so the you know, the live ones are all a little bit lightweight in comparison. It's a fine version, but yeah, it's almost like a... I mean, I wouldn't say it's a parody of his original, but it's just not... I don't know, he just doesn't seem to be taking it very seriously in this version. It's But that's okay, It's it's fun. He did that in a lot of concerts. He didn't take anything too seriously, but... Yeah, it's it's just the original is so good. I have a hard time with the the ones he does later. I've I've mentioned John Farnham before, who amazing Australian singer, and he sort of got a similar reaction to his early early work. Mm-hmm. Occasionally he'll do it when the audience demands it, but it's not right. something he regularly does. Yeah, but he knows you know people want to hear these songs, mm-hmm. and he and he usually says something like, "Look, th- I love this song. I love what it did for me. It, you know, this is the song that got me famous in the early days. But look, 
it's not the greatest song in the world. We can all <laughs> accept that, right? Yeah. <laughs> and it's just it's just funny. Like he 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 accepts it for you know what it did for him, mm-hmm. but also he can admit you know it's not the greatest song. And Elvis has got a similar thing. Like in in a lot of these later concerts, you know, Hound Dog and mm-hmm. Jailhouse Rock and Love Me Tender, they're pretty much just throwaway versions because he knows that's what people want to hear, even though he'd probably rather not do them. Yeah. If he had the choice. Right. And I think in... But yeah, it's just funny how they have that sort of, you know, but I suppose a lot of artists are like that, you know, whatever oh, yeah. they just did is the, the best thing in their mind. Like the last album, that's, that's, the, that's the best thing. Right. Yeah, this is like almost the equivalent of Prince doing, you know, why you want to treat me so bad or throwing in a line or two of soft and wet at a later concert. It's, it's more of a, yeah. I know you guys know here's this 30 song. Se- here's, tw- here's 20 seconds of it in the sampler set. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's a great, great song in, the, in Elvis's original version. And this is this is like a nod to that song as opposed to that song. Yeah, mm. that's that's about the only way I could describe it. it. It's not part of a medley, but it almost could be. It's just like here's a little taste. Oh, here's yeah. a little taste of a song that you guys know from 1956. But yeah, I don't think he's yeah. he's not he's not really trying that hard. Well, that's all right. <laughs> I mean, there's just one part in there. It's about it's just over one minute in, and he does this big like vocal run, and it's great. But then before you know it, the, the song's over because it's so yeah. short anyway. Yeah. But yeah, that's about all I got to say. Yeah. So then we can go to track number four, which is trying to get to you. Mm -hmm. What do you got for this one? Well, this is another old one. He recorded this at Sun Records. It was the second to last song he ever did by at Sun Records. Uh, Let's see. The original is by a group called the Eagles, but not the Eagles you're thinking of. Not those (laughs) Eagles. Yeah. Uh, 1954. And it's great, but it doesn't. It's not a rock song the way Elvis turned it into a rock song. I'm going to say this all the time, but this is one of my favorite Elvis songs. I love the way he cracks his voice during part of it. I love when he gets to the, when I read your love and letter, he just like throws himself all the way into it. Yeah. The way he does that, uh, I'm trying to think of the word, but you know, the part where he he just kind of cracks his voice with the whole, he he does this. Oh yeah. (laughs) I can't do it at all. Yeah. But, uh, that's, that's where he says, uh, is that where he says like, it didn't mean a thing. That's it. Is that that part? Right. Didn't and then he just says thing, and then thing just goes on and down and down and down. Yeah, 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 yeah. that's it. And then straight into the next verse without even stopping. Yeah, this is a next great verse. song. The, the original of this, his voice is so so much higher. Yeah. See, that's, some, that's something I don't like about that early stuff. Again, mm-hmm. there's not the richness, the deepness in his voice, and it sounds like, you know, it sounds like he's, you know, this little 18-year-old who's... Yeah. He can sing, you know, but he could he could be in the boys' choir. Right. It's so different. It's such a different voice to what we get years later. It's crazy. Well, I was just gonna say it's a great version. I've never heard him really throw this one away, and he's done it just as just mm. as often as "Love Me" probably in concert, usually right after each other. Yeah, I, I've I've never heard him throw this one away. Uh, he he mentioned that this is one of his father's favorite songs. Ah, Vernon. Yeah, Vernon liked this one apparently. Yeah, I guess that's all I've got to say. I I love the song. I I do like the original. Oh, I know what I was going to say. So I didn't hear this until about the 80s. So it's not like I was growing up hearing this in context. But because all I really listened to was my dad, my dad's 45s, which was all 50s music, hearing this in that context, it feels much more revolutionary. Like Mm. going back to it now, I I can see everything you're saying and and pretty much agree with it. But I was kind of lucky that I got to hear it in a type of context. I didn't hear it in 55, but I I heard it 
coming after a bunch of other 50s music and it it feels more galvanizing and more important mm. coming in that sort of context but without that yeah it's, it's the original is probably not as good as some of his later versions especially in the 68 special when he did it he did a very cool version of it there you know what would be good what? never going to happen but imagine if at some point in i don't know 75 76 somehow he got convinced to re-record yeah. all those early songs but with his 1975 voice not the 1955 right. voice but that would have been amazing i mean not not an oh, not like an unplugged thing but just like just re-record those old songs with his current voice yeah. that would have been great because i love those old songs i love you know hound dog and jailhouse rock and all that stuff but it's the just the way that he sounds on those old records i think could be so much better yeah if he'd somehow been convinced to just re-record them Maybe there were legal issues, who knows, but oh, just imagine how good that would have been. Yeah, a lot of Elvis fans have said things similar. Oh, I've okay. definitely thought that about the, I was, I'm more like the unplugged idea is what I would really have loved to really hear his voice more clearly on the 70s recordings. Because, you know, we talked about how they're usually yeah. really overproduced. And yeah, I would love to hear him do a stripped down well, set of his earlier songs in the 70s that would have been fantastic i suppose the closest thing we do have is that 68 yeah special yeah. because you know his voice is so much better by mm -hmm. then and it's all the old stuff so i guess well, i think just, that's we'll have to we'll have to get to that yeah. soon no i think that's why that that show is so revered i mean that is a real elvis had a lot of peaks in his career but 68 was undoubtedly one of them so this i really like this mm -hmm. song and so any performance of it is good for me. The verses are fine, they're okay, they're pretty standard really, but mm -hmm. then you get to that next part and Elvis's voice just smashes yeah. you so hard. <laughs> it doesn't matter how much I listen to Elvis, and like I said before, sometimes just the control of his voice just floors me. Yeah. Like you, you said, in the, in the bridge where his voice just goes off, it just takes off. And it's so good, mm. you know, just the, the power in it. It's just unbelievable. One one twenty two. he does this big, oh, <laughs> I don't even think it's part of the lyrics. He just chucked it in in between mm. the lines. And it's just this oh, massive, I know what you're talking about. booming yeah, note. Oh. And it's just, it's yeah, so good. That's a, a, oh, could keep me away from you is the next, right after he says, oh. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And it's just, just the sound of that one syllable just kills me. yeah i think a lot of what we're talking about i'm gonna say when we get to how great thou art because <laughs> yeah his his voice oh, just yeah. the power of it is uh, it's unbelievable yeah it's, it's hard to know what to say last last thing i've got about this when i was writing notes for this i think i played this song like at least eight mm -hmm. times just in a row because i mean it's only mm -hmm. two minutes so you I just put it on repeat just keep going yeah. oh, it was excellent so I, I had a good like you know, 15 minutes of this song or so. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> great. And he never gets sick of it. Never gets Same sick here. of it. Yeah, every time he does that sort of part where he's almost yodeling, uh, he's just, mm. yeah, it's just, it's just great. It's just a fantastic song and, yeah, fun every time he does it. So then we go track number five. It's the medley. Yes. We've got Long Tall Sally, whole lot of shaking going on, Mama Don't Dance, Flip Flop and Fly, Jailhouse Rock, Hound Dog. Yeah. Now, I, I thought it was interesting. He did a medley of mm -hmm. these songs and then throws in his own mm -hmm. songs as well. I just thought that was it's, funny. It's an interesting medley. <laughs> well, should we mention that what songs we're skipping over just for informational purposes? Oh yeah, this is where there's yeah, a few on in between. The, 
the show out, goes from yeah. trying to get to you right into the, the medley you just mentioned. The actual concert skips over All Shook Up, Steamroller Blues, Teddy Bear, Don't Be Cruel, and Love Me Tender. So we jump four songs ahead. Yeah, it's a big jump. Uh, and that version of Steamroller Blues is excellent. Yeah, well, they always are. Yeah. Not to mention. <laughs> but yeah, so track five, the medley, is a really interesting medley. Uh, so Long Toss Alley is, of course, a Little Richard song from the 50s. Elvis's version is from his second album, the same album that had Love Me on it. And it's just a great, yeah. it's, it's just a great 50s rock and roll song. It's, it, this is a, this, I don't want to get on to Pat Boone again, but this is one that, that Pat Boone <laughs> covered, uh, the Little Richard one. And he tried, he changed the lyrics because the lyrics are, uh, he saw, oh God, what are the words? He, you know the part where he, uh, he saw somebody coming and he jumped back in the alley? Uh, it's because yeah. it's a guy who's having an affair. That's what the song is about. And he's with Long Tall Sally and he's got to like hide in the alley because his wife is passing by. So so what what did I, it get changed you to? Know, I'm already no, I didn't to even, laugh. I didn't even write it down, but <laughs> it was changed to something. It was changed to something very, very, Much very more innocent. innocent. <laughs> uh, Elvis, of course, kept the original <laughs> lyrics. It's just it's a great song. His original is great. Every time he does it live, it's great. It's part of a medley, so there's not much mm. here. Do you want to? You want me to do? Uh, you want me to run through the whole medley and then go back to you, or you want to do well, song by song? I'll just I'll just mm. want to say I don't have a lot yeah. about this. Like it's great. It's a great medley of some classic mm. songs, and it's an easy way for him to just get through a few hits very quick, including mm. his own. And I like they do the the bluesy and to Houndbug as well. Yeah. That's always good, even though it's not too long. But just the last thing I've got is. It blew my mind to find out that Mumble Don't Dance is a Kenny Loggins track. Yeah, Kenny Loggins and Jim Messina. Like, yeah, Kenny Loggins, K-Log, Footloose. It's yeah. like, because to me, Kenny, I know Kenny was around for a long time, but to me, he's an 80s guy. Oh, me too. But I know he did, but I know he did this thing with Jim Messina. They did a couple of albums together. Mm-hmm. And I think Mumble um, Don't Dance is on their second album, I think, together. Mm-hmm. And, and it just blew my mind because I, it never sort of, registered in my brain that Kenny was around back then but he was yeah because a lot of these songs are like you know 50s rock and roll songs and then to hear Mama Don't Dance it fits in so perfectly I know and it's only like a year or two old at this time yeah so yeah. it was just I'm like what, what is happening here <laughs> but that's all I gotta say it just blew my mind that Elvis Presley covered Kenny Loggins <laughs> yeah I was aware of this but I tend to just forget it and when I was researching this, it was like, oh, yeah, that's right. That's a song from 1972. He does like yeah. he does a little Richard song, a Jerry Lee Lewis song from the 50s. And then Kenny Loggins from 1972. It's crazy. Crazy. But what I love about that is I'm assuming maybe I shouldn't, but I'm assuming Elvis looked at music the way the way I do in that it's com- it's completely timeless. And that's something from today works perfect with a song from the 30s next to it. It's because music is just. You know, it's not, it's well, timeless the, if it's good. The fact that Mama Don't Dance fits in seamlessly really just shows is. you that it is timeless. Because yeah. it's, you'd, like, you'd never know that if you didn't know any of these songs, you wouldn't have a clue that that song's 20 years older than that one. No, I didn't when I first heard it. Because it just fits in perfectly. Yeah, let's see. So yeah, he does uh, Long Tall Sally, then a whole lot of shaking going on is, of course, a Jerry Lee Lewis song, another Sun Records guy. Elvis knew him. They were in the Million Dollar Quartet together. Uh, Elvis's uh, yeah. studio version of this was in 1971 on an uh, album called Elvis Country. Then he goes into Mama Don't Dance. Then Flip Flop and Fly, which is a song from 1955 by a guy named Big Joe Turner. And he's great. He also sang Shake, Rattle, and Roll. 
which the first time Elvis ever appeared on television, he did a, a medley of Shake, Rattle and Roll and Flip, Flop and Fly. He's never done a studio version of Flip, Flop and Fly. Uh-huh. But yeah, it's very, very cool. Goes right into that. Goes right from Flip, Flop and Fly to Jailhouse Rock to Hound Dog, where he throws in the line, you ain't never caught a scarf and you ain't no friend of mine. Ah, uh, yep, yep. And yeah, I had the same note as you. I like that bluesy ending of uh, of Hound Dog. I like the the way that ends. And let's see if that's all I've got for the medley. Yeah, I don't okay, have too that's... much to say about the medley beyond that. It's, Except it's great. Yeah, it is great. <laughs> I, I yeah, I probably should have mentioned that right away. Yeah, because the songs are are so short, it's kind of like just one after another of just getting knocked over by a new great song. Mm. That's the, that is, I guess, the one really good thing about medleys, and it's true. It's true when Prince did them as well. It, it is kind of neat to all of a sudden be bombarded with like five songs you know and like, like one after each other before yeah. you can even catch your breath. So yeah, what, I, I, what it's was great. his line? So, so many hits, so little time, something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, that was a that's line. his excuse for chucking six songs in a medley <laughs> in two minutes. <laughs> yeah. But, okay, then let's go. Track number six. It's Why Me, Lord. Now, I'm fine with this being on here, mm-hmm. but I can see why I think there's a, some percentage of people who maybe they're not a, a JD fan mm-hmm. and why they might not like it. I mean, it is taking up space that a full Elvis Presley song could have been on, on this album. Mm-hmm. And we all know, you know, some of the great songs that have been cut from this album, from the concert itself, Steamroller Blues, anybody? Yeah, in fact, we skip Fever and Polk Salad Annie to go into Why Me, Lord, because after Hound Dog... In the concert, he does Fever and Poke Salad Annie. But on the record, we go right to Why Me, Lord. So then this is a good chance for Elvis to have a rest after Mm -hmm. Poke Salad. (laughs) Yeah, exactly what I was thinking. Let JD sing a bit. (laughs) But this is fine. We still get Mm -hmm. Elvis comes in on the chorus and he sounds great. But when Elvis does come in singing, we do get this, again, massive fake audience Mm. reaction. Yeah. Just about two minutes, we get some great notes from Elvis. Um, that's about all I got. Okay. Don't worry. The next song more than makes up for it if you don't like this one. Right. <laughs> well, this is a song that I heard this version. Well, maybe not the live one, but I heard this song by JD at least three years before I ever heard anything by Elvis. Oh, wow. Which is weird. It's a, it's a 1973 song uh, written and recorded first by Chris Christopherson. And interestingly enough, the single was Why Me Lord on one side and Help Me, another Elvis song, or another song Elvis does on the on the flip side. Elvis covered both sides of the single. Uh. Yeah, my grandmother used to live with us and every night she would listen to the rosary on a radio station called WSMB. And for some, right before the rosary would kick off, frequently they would play Why Me Lord. And I remember as a child, I mean a little child, like coming in to hear it because I always loved the crazy deep voice. And it, was, mm. it wasn't until, God, many years later that I heard this on an Elvis album and like had this memory like flood back. Because this, uh. this is definitely a track I, I tend to skip, I have to admit. But when I sit there and listen to it, I, I mean, it's, if you like JD's voice, this is certainly a showcase for it. It's a lot of religious content in this concert. Mm. I mean, if if Elvis wasn't in on the chorus, I might skip it. Yeah, that's the the saving grace for me. If it was just JD, mm-hmm. it's like uh, <laughs> if if I could be bothered to get up and change it, I might. But <laughs> yeah, I, I admit I'm. I, I, it's fine. Yeah, I tend to skip it as well. Um, but when I sit down and listen to it, I, I appreciate it. You know, there's nothing. I got nothing negative to say about it, other than 
same thing. When I listen to a Prince album, I want to hear Prince. When I listen to an Elvis album or concert, I want to hear Elvis. I don't want to hear other voices. Not um, some lady screaming, exactly. put your hands up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so it's not quite what I'm looking for in an Elvis album, but it's a good song and I enjoy it when I, when I listen to it. Okay, then. Let's go. It's track number seven. It's How Great Thou Art. Yes. This song, it sounds like it was just 100% made for Elvis's voice. Yeah. I cannot listen to anyone else singing this song. There's there's no comparison whatsoever. And it just hits you so hard. Uh, I think it's about 137 when he kicks off into the chorus. Some more fake crowd noise ruins it a bit here and there. And then we get, you know, this song always. He, he loves doing the big end. Yeah, the reprise. We talked about this yeah. before. you got to have a big end. And it's not the first time. He actually does it twice. It's okay. The first time he does it, it's not perfect. His voice wavers. Mm -hmm. A little bit and I just talked about how great his control was sometimes he let it get away from him just a little mm -hmm. bit but he still smashes yeah. it better than anyone else and then could. he goes back and so makes up for it by doing it again so so exactly he's like well that wasn't <laughs> as just like JD you know you can do that better you can do it one more time mm -hmm. so he brings it back in does the ending again and totally nails it which is great yeah that's all I got well this uh, we already it's just I, I mean you can throw all the superlatives <laughs> yeah well we already said this this song uh, won a grammy for elvis in fact he won a grammy oh but we didn't we we, we hinted that a song oh, okay. won a grammy but i don't think we said which one it was it this was. one surprise and what's what's <laughs> weird is elvis didn't win very many grammys during his lifetime but he won two for the same song he won one mm. in 1968 for the same for the studio version of this song and again in 1975 for this version and yeah, it's it's just one of those songs that's made for Elvis. Allegedly, when he recorded it in the studio, everyone in the studio was brought to tears, like engineers, musicians. I don't know if that's true, but that's what is said, that when he did this in the studio, there was just not a dry eye afterwards. God, what do you say about this? He just, there's, <laughs> exactly. there's no other singer that could just sound so thunderous and so massive. He just, uh, he encompassed everything. I, I don't know how he did it. He's just, you know, I'm, I, I've mentioned before, I'm not necessarily super religious, but man, listening to this makes you just want to believe or, yeah, I mean, there's nobody but Elvis that would, that could, if anybody could convert me, well, he it could. it definitely makes you think that he believed what he was yeah. singing because you cannot put that amount of passion, you know, energy and passion into something if you don't. Yeah fully believe what it is and we've said that comment before he said i'm never gonna do a song i don't believe right. in or something this is proof of that isn't it i mean this is this is another song he's never phoned it in for no. this every time 100 percent right it's like if he's gonna do this song he's gonna do it right if he doesn't get the ending right he does it yeah. again yeah it's the same for um is it the end of hurt i think as yes. well yeah. the end of that a lot of times i've heard him do that again because like not nah, one more time I can do it better. Yeah. That one, Let Me Be There, he always does a reprise. Yeah. But yeah, how, how great they I, are. I think Let Me Be There is just because it's so much fun to sing. <laughs> yeah. He just wants to keep, and it's short, so he just wants to keep it going a bit longer. Yeah, but this one and Hurt, he really wants to, I mean, the last note after the reprise where Elvis is just like, I mean, he's flat out. Oh. Yeah, he, he's, it's like he's yelling, but he's in total control. Like there's no, yeah. I, I can't think of anybody else who could, maybe Prince in a falsetto. He could, but I can't think of anybody else but Elvis who had that much control singing flat out that yeah. loud, loudly. I mean, when you get to that volume, most people don't have control. But yeah, well, uh, the further you amazing. get out of your your comfort zone, your 
vocal range, if you go right to, you know, this is about as far as I can go. Yeah. Of course, your control will be a bit less mm-hmm. because if you're not, his control in lower register is just perfect every time. Yeah. And even up at this final note of this, it's pretty damn good for That's a note he didn't sing that often. I mean, this is only yeah. one line in one song. Yeah. This wasn't his normal way of, he didn't sing every song like that. Well, Imagine could, if he did. <laughs> you couldn't listen to it. I mean, it would just be screaming even yeah. perfectly It'd, it'd be like Prince, but... like every song is like, my name is Prince. That'd be excellent. <laughs> just every song, even the ballads was just yeah. in that style. <laughs> what else yeah. can we say? Um, this is the end of side A. It is. And we, we got the vinyl. We are about to skip Suspicious Minds and the band intros to get to side B. But yeah, I'm Again, ready. How do you skip? How do you skip Suspicious Minds? Only, on. only because it was on uh, Aloha from Hawaii. It was on the other one. And then let's kick off side B of the vinyl with another little medley. Well, mm-hmm. it's really one song. With yeah, I love this. What one line from another song? <laughs> yeah, I like this. Well, it's I can't stop loving you with a little intro of Blueberry Hill. Track eight and track number eight. That's the one. I can't stop loving you is up near the top of my favorite Elvis songs. It's yeah. it's not the top, but it's probably top 20, top 25. Mm-hmm. I like it a lot. His voice is just magic. And we mentioned before he changed the line, what was it about Waycross, Georgia? This yeah. one, 204, instead of what is it? Live in memories, it's live in Tennessee, Tennessee. Yeah. which is <laughs> great. It fits in perfectly. And what's really cool is that's, that to live in memory is the, real line if you listen close because it gets repeated and the first time he says to live in memory i swear you can hear him start to hesitate you can almost hear in his head him thinking oh i could have said tennessee and then when he gets to the next next time he does say tennessee (laughs) yeah Yeah. a lot of fun and of course we've got another big end so elvis can just blow people away with his vocals which he does Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know what else you can say about this one. Well, I love... It's great. I like... Well, this is... Can't Stop Loving You is another Ray Charles song. We're on to at least the third song that Ray also recorded. Uh, but what I love is yeah. is the little curveball that he definitely throws his band by doing Blueberry Hill. Because I guarantee you, yeah. nobody on stage but Elvis knew that was going to be Blueberry Hill. And they... Man, they got on it fast. And that's Duke. That's Duke Bardwell, who Elvis apparently wasn't crazy about. But I mean, yeah. as soon as Elvis sings, I found my thrill. I mean, that ba- it's, the band is right there. I mean, they are yeah. doing Blueberry Hill. That was the thing that confused me because I saw that it was I Can't Stop Loving You. And then I I think just before it, he says, like, you know what I can't do. Uh-huh. <laughs> so they're fully expecting to go into Can't Stop Loving You. Yeah. Yeah. There's no way Elvis didn't just yeah. throw them a curveball <laughs> with this. Um, Elvis recorded this in a studio in 1957, but everybody knows this is a Fats Domino song. Elvis was a big fan mm. of Fats Domino. The second biggest selling artist of the entire 1950s was Fats Domino behind only Elvis. Wow. Uh, Didn't know that. Yeah. Elvis's studio version of Blueberry Hill was eh, kind of boring. Yeah, I don't know what to say here. It's just, it's a great, I love that he did this because again, I'm in New Orleans, Fats Domino. Whenever there's a connection, I'm, mm. I'm happy. When he switches it up and goes into Can't Stop Loving You, just like every time he sings it, it's so powerful. It's so, you know, what can we keep saying about this guy's voice? It's, <laughs> I mean, it's a force of nature. This is the final podcast. <laughs> we can't say any more about how great his voice is. It's powerful. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he just belts this out like he does every time he sings it. And uh, he never misses a note he reaches for. He never... 
you know, it's it's Elvis. It's perfect. I don't know what else to say. It's can't stop loving you. <laughs> and then at the end, you get the big yesterday. Yeah. In dreams. Of let's play. Yesterday. Let's play around with this. Yeah. yeah. And then we go into track number nine, which is Help Me, which is the song off the new album, which we just talked about on the album review. Yeah. Promise Land. Uh, this is a good version. I like it. He does the whole song. There's no messing around like he'd do with the old, old ones. There's some nice piano on this, but it's not really that up front, but it's it's in there. Mm-hmm. And of course, the last line, we get the, sings the whole octave up, which is great vocal. But um, this is the thing with people, with artists who think, I just recorded this new song. It's it's great. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to sing it properly. There's no messing around. There's no change in the lyrics. Right. So it's, it's a good version. Yeah, I agree. And I have very little to say about this because it might be better than the studio version, by a, a little bit, just because of the way Elvis throws himself a little more into the uh, the final couple of lines. Mm. But yeah, I like this. I, I mean, I've heard it live quite a few times. Like I said, I thought it was interesting that it's the flip side of Why Me, Lord, by Chris Christopherson, uh, that Elvis must have just bought that single mm. and liked both sides of it. I mean, it was written by the Gatlin brothers, but like I said, it was on a single by Chris Christopherson with Why Me, Lord, and the yeah. It is, like I said, there's a lot of religious content in this concert. I mean, Amen. Which <laughs> well, is... Amen, Why Me, Lord, How Great Thou Art, Help Me. Well, yeah, it's fine. I'm not complaining. Well, I mean, it's... it's oh, what's the word? It's representative of who he was. Yeah, yeah, you're I mean, right. if they'd removed more of this religious stuff, people would be like, well, Elvis wasn't just the rock and roll guy. I agree. Where's this? Where's that? So, you know, I mean, this whole album's been released about like collections of his gospel tracks right i've seen yeah in fact i think the album called he touched me is either the next album after this or maybe shortly before but yeah i mean were they released in his lifetime though or did they come later oh no he released okay so he was he was fine with that oh yeah his his first christmas album is half christmas songs half religious songs and that's in 1957 i think and then he put out a all religious album called his hand in mind in 1960 or 61 then how great thou art in 67 then he touched me in i think 72 i'm not looking this up i'm just hoping i'm right Mm. i mean i say he was fine with it being released but Mm -hmm. we don't know how much control he had over oh no he definitely the albums got released but i'm sure if he really wanted to put his foot down something might have happened oh no no he definitely was i mean gospel music was an integral part of who elvis was right right from the start and if you think about it mm-hmm. it's also a very smart marketing move i mean you've mm-hmm. still got say more religious you know minded people mm-hmm. who don't want to buy this rock and roll music from this guy who shakes his legs when he sings right but they'll more than happily go and buy his gospel album because that's all about jesus well i think right so marketing wise that could have been a really smart move i think early on when he was like in the early 50s when he was really being criticized for the way he moved and stuff he did on the ed sullivan show he sang a a religious song called peace in the valley which i think Uh, really helped quiet the people who were so against him and saying he was doing you know the devil's music and stuff i think it was uh, yeah, so they would have they would have watched him sing that and go he's not that bad yeah he's not as bad as we thought look he's singing that that nice song yeah so in a way it was calculated but i think it was completely honest to who elvis was anyway yep. but yeah i think it was yep. a, a part of his image from very early on was that he was religious but as far as concerts go this feels like well i'm gonna have to compare it to some other ones but it feels like heavier religious content than 
usual. Well, especially the edited version, because right, we're missing right. five or six other tracks. You put them back in, you know, That's these true. sort of gospely sort of songs become more of a minority. But as this album is, it's, you know, You're right. it's more than a quarter of the album. Yeah. Which I think, I mean, people have talked about Elvis concerts as, as being like a, like Elvis used to go to like these prayer meetings, which were like these all night sing-along things. Maybe they weren't called prayer meetings. They were probably called all night sing-alongs, but it was just all this gospel stuff. And I think Elvis really liked the way it felt when you're like, you know, in a tent with all these other religious people doing, singing their thing. And I, I, I think he tried to capture that in his concerts, especially when he did like Amen and he would ask the audience to kind of sing along. I, yeah. yeah, I think he, he was just trying to turn it into like a religious experience. I mean, I felt that way. I hate to keep bringing up Prince, but, I, you know, I felt that way like on the Love Sexy tour when he got to the middle and did Anesthesia and then the second half of the show was more religious oriented. Yeah. I think there's something to it when you go to a concert that has this other component that's not just, oh, great music, great this and that. If it has this other element... It, it yeah, just sort of elevates a, it. It's, it's some, some sort of journey. It's yeah, not just yeah. a guy getting up there and singing for an hour and a half. Yeah. It takes you on a through this, past that, on the way. Yeah. So that's helped me. Well, let's go to another great song. Mm-hmm. Or is it track number 10? It's American Trilogy. Yes. This is what we're all here for, I think. <laughs> well, I am. I am anyway. This is probably my favorite, not favorite song, but favorite performance on this album. Mm. How Great Thou Art is damn good, but I think this is just always great yeah. as, as soon as he gets to that first you know the glory glory hallelujah yeah. oh man the voice the voice just kills me and the power of everything like you've got the power of elvis's voice mm-hmm. you've got the power just of this song itself mm-hmm. the power of this particular band with the horns and the drums and everything else that's in there and then yeah elvis's voice on top of that holy moly like a song like this, I'm going to struggle for things to say because just go and listen to it. What can you say about it? There's nothing you can say about this song which wouldn't be you know, solved by just going and listening to it. Right. There's nothing I can say. Just go and listen to it. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> but first, listen to what you're going to say. <laughs> well, not much because I probably said most of it when we covered Afternoon at the Garden. It's, he's never done a bad version. It's just... Oh, I don't know. I don't have know. you heard bad versions? I, I, I can't recall mm-hmm. one, but I'm sure they, there might be certain shows in maybe the last two or three years. So I'm sure uh, we could find one if we tried. I don't know if we can. I mean, he's really... Well, I may, maybe I wouldn't take like, call it a bad right, right, version, right. but a, a not-so-great version. Right. <laughs> I'm sure there's something out um, there. But yeah, this song, I mean, there's no way you can't get goosebumps when you, yep. after that flute solo and it just starts to build and build and Elvis is, comes in purposefully a little bit late with the glory glory hallelujahs he, he lets the backing band start yeah. it this is a quintessential elvis song and the fact that he's doing it in his hometown he's in the south which is what a lot of the song focuses on i wish i were in dixie i was born in dixieland and mm. he was he was born in mississippi so i mean this is you know it's made for elvis uh, well, I remember when we covered it before, you were asking if Elvis was the one who put these three songs together, and it's shocking that he it was mm. somebody else, Mickey Newberry. But yeah, yeah, Elvis just owns it. Yeah, I, it's just that powerful voice like thunder or like the voice of God that <laughs> he just had. And it's a good showcase, apart from Elvis's mm-hmm. voice, for the backing, the vocals as well. And you can hear JD in there. Yeah. But they, they got a big part in this yeah. too. And the flute, there's not a lot of flute solos in... Elvis songs. I in fact, true, I don't think true. there's any. 
and the horns just the horns just go off yeah. as well it's just a magnificent showcase for Elvis's voice there's no weak part to this song no everything is just giving 150% yeah. because even those quiet parts the you know, so hush little baby don't you cry it, I, I mean he he nails these like tender parts and then explodes during the other parts it's just it's yeah. a tour de force and he you can tell he likes I don't think I've ever said that about anything <laughs> but <laughs> you can tell he likes songs that sh that show that mm. that sort of uh, dynamic mm -hmm. you know you can come out and do a rock and roll song and it's all loud and it's all great and then it's over in two minutes but a lot you've got a lot of songs yeah. even just on this album there's a few They've got the quiet, like the, the verse is pretty calm, mm -hmm. and then the chorus he's shouting yeah. his head off in, in the best way. Yeah. And this song as well, you've got the big shouting part, basically, and then you've got these really quiet parts mm -hmm. as well. And in every part, his voice is spot on every time. There's no there's no weak part. Mm -hmm. There's no weak aspect to his voice that I can think of, except maybe those really high notes, which sometimes... Sometimes he'd nail it, sometimes he'd be so close, and then he'd just do it again, and he'd nail it anyway. Right. Yeah. But, like, yeah. everything in this song, the drums, the horns, the flute, everything, the backing vocals, it's all just 150%, the whole song. Loud parts, quiet parts, so good. Yeah, it is just a, yeah, a magnificent sort of showcase. It's a tour de force. You know? <laughs> it is. Yeah, I, w I was going back to see what I had to say about it with Madison Square Garden. And yeah, pretty much the same thing, because there are no bad versions of the song that I know of. Uh, okay, so all we can say is go and listen to it. Yeah, go and just listen to it. Just like how great they are. What can we say? It's it's just that good. Just go and listen to it. And there's definitely a little little something added that he's recording, that it's in Memphis and it's in his hometown. I think it adds a little ex yeah, extra that's, spark. Think about that too when you listen to it. Yeah, that's all. Okay, that. it's track 11. It's Let Me Be There. Olivia Newton-John. Yep. You know I love this song. <laughs> it was burnt into my brain at a very early age. Elvis's version is great. Mm -hmm. It's just such a fun song. It's fun to sing along with as well. I love the bass harmonies, which are a big part of this track, even the original version. Mm -hmm. James Burton's guitars always just makes this song better. I cannot imagine without him there. It's What would this song be? You'd just mm -hmm. be waiting for the, all these little things to come in and that <laughs> wouldn't be there. It'd be so weird. Yeah. yeah, It's such a good song. You've got the uh, obligatory key change with the horns going down at about 203 mm -hmm. and again so much fun to sing he brings it back as you have to mm -hmm. you, you can tell he just loves singing this song for sure it's just fun yeah most versions that i've heard he brings it back again mm -hmm. yeah that, it's great that's what i that's, that's all i can say um i have even less because it's just the, the same thing it's you can tell elvis is digging the song and it's just so much fun to listen to and especially that part when the the music kind of drops out and it's just the drums and and it's just, yep. I said, let me be there in your morning. Yeah, it's just, it's so damn good. But other than, yeah, it's fun. He sings it the way he always sings it, which is pretty much perfect. I wonder if he was a fan of, because there was Let Me Be There. And what was the other Olivia Newton-John song that he did? Um, Can't think of it now. I know it. It was on the other album. I know, let me we did. look back and see if I can find it. I honestly love you. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> He could have done it. Imagine if Elvis came out <laughs> and sang that. I bet it would have been all right if he wouldn't. I mean, not not necessarily live. Oh, any song. Any song would have been great. Yeah. He would have done it in his way. Oh, it's man. Let me be let there. Me. And if you love me. Yeah, that's it. If you love me, let me know. If you love me, let me know. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. And let me be there. I want to know if he was a fan of just those two songs, like that sort of style of songs, or if he was 
an Olivia Newton-John fan? I wouldn't be. That's an interesting question, and I don't know the answer. Yeah, I'm guessing. I'd say it's probably more the style of the song, because as far as I know, he didn't do any other songs from her. Yeah, I think you're right. And those two songs weren't that representative of her style either. Right. They were sort of a different sort of thing for her to do. So I think it was just that sort of style that he liked. Yeah, that's probably. That's just my guess. Yeah, I'm trying to think of some of her other early hits, and I keep remembering stuff at, like from Greece and onward, which is Elvis was dead by then. So. Oh man! Imagine if he came out and did Grease Lightning. <laughs> yeah. That is such an Elvis song when you think about it. Oh my God. Right. Well, here is where I can tell you don't listen to. Forget, it. forget John Travolta. Imagine Elvis. Oh my God! I can't even imagine yeah. it. Yeah. No, I can't. This is how I know you don't listen to lyrics because, I, yeah, there's a few lyrics in that that I definitely can't imagine Elvis singing. Uh, yeah, I can't imagine Elvis referring to his car as a real. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I know what you're talking about now. <laughs> yeah, there's yep. a few. But you're right. A certain type of wagon. <laughs> yep. okay. Yeah. Uh, but you're right. It's definitely done sort of in the style of Elvis, for sure. I mean, John Travolta was basically playing Elvis when you think about mm -hmm. it. That was the character. It was this 50s rock and roll yeah. guy. Did you? He had the hair. He had the leather jacket. It was, it was like Fonzie, yeah. you know. It was such a caricature. Do you really. ever see that there's a deleted scene in Pulp Fiction where Irma Thurman is talking to John Travolta saying... Well, there's only two kinds of people in the world. Those who like Elvis and those who wait, Elvis people and Beatles people. Beatles people can like Elvis and uh, Elvis yeah. people can like the Beatles, but you have to prefer one. And we already know you're an Elvis guy. And I don't remember the rest of the scene, but <laughs> but yeah, Travolta definitely yeah. modeled on Elvis. So are we ready for track 12? Yeah, track 12. It's My Baby Left Me. What do you got for this well, one? Well, this is an old rockabilly song that Elvis did in 1956. It's probably the most sun sounding of anything Elvis did at RCA. Nice guitar solo. He does do part of That's Alright Mama, which I think last time the song came up, you said that the song was That's Alright Mama. He just sang different words to it, which the live, the live well, version, yeah. I think you might be, you might be right. But I'll say this version sounds a lot less mm -hmm. like That's Alright Mama than the other one that we just I, heard. I agree. I agree. This sounds more like the original song. Yeah. Have you heard his original? I haven't, okay. but just the difference between this and the other version, right, right, right. which the other version to me was like the band's playing That's All Right Mama and Elvis just sang some different lyrics. <laughs> this is different because right. listening to just the music, they're not playing that exact same song. Right. It is different. Right. So I'm and guessing it's more like the original. It is. Right up until it gets to that da-da-da-dee. The dee 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 Yeah, that's... Yeah. Uh, Got to throw that in. But this is great. I, I always loved when he did this song live. He... I don't think he did it very often live. I mean, we've covered two already, but yeah, I'm just, I'm always thrilled when he does this one. It's a really fun early 50s rock song. At the time, I don't think it got very much attention. And if you go back and listen to it, I mean, it sounds like a real, it sounds like it should have been a huge hit in the 50s, but it just kind of went under the radar. Mm. So like, yeah, I, that's about all. It's a, it's a, one of my favorites. This song's a surprise mm -hmm. to me, at least, because it's not an Elvis song that I've heard a lot. So mm -hmm. it's good to hear a song that I don't know so well. I mean, may maybe to big Elvis fans, this is, you know, it's a big thing because they've listened yeah. to those early albums a hundred times more than me. But right. listening to a lot of the 70s concerts, yeah, this one wasn't done that much and I haven't heard it that many times. So it's good to yeah. hear a song that, you know, it's not I Got a Woman or Can't Help Falling in Love, which I've heard almost every right. show. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. It's got a great guitar solo on this. It even starts with good guitar. James on the guitar. Yeah. Pretty sure it's James. The only James. thing I miss is the, um, 
the original one has this upright bass like ah. descending thing and it's like the song starts out with this doom, 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 doom. oh yeah, yeah. I, I would love to have heard that in in one of the live versions he could have got jd to do it the, the yeah part, he could have just sang it yeah but other than you know missing that really cool part that's in the original i yeah i loved the uh, every time he did it live it was fun okay and then that's then we got track number 13 it's lordy lordy miss claudy yeah now this again i i know this is one of the really early ones right this is the early yeah. years yeah 56 way back i've got really little about this except to say i love the bass on this i'm guessing that's jukes on the bass um yep. but yeah great song <laughs> it's a classic it's a yeah. classic what can you say yeah well what i like about this is our, he already covered blueberry hill by surprise it's, yeah, it's very concert. similar isn't it well the original of lordy miss claudy is another new orleans guy lloyd price who uh-huh. died this, this year i think and the original by lloyd price features fats domino on piano so this is another real you know new orleans song mm. for me because yeah it starts off with that piano yeah mm-hmm. yeah elvis's original is great it's from 56 there is one part in this where Elvis, where they go into a bridge and Elvis says, play it, Glenn. And he's talking yep. to Glenn Harden on the piano. And then you hear no piano. <laughs> At least the version I heard, he says, play it, Glenn. And then I hear guitars and horns and all this other stuff. And I can't hear the piano. Yeah, it's, but, you, can I mean, it's, it. it's, you can hear it at the start. But yeah, I did notice that because I heard him say that. And then you don't really hear anything. Yeah, and the, the original is all piano. I mean, it's that, again, that sort of New Orleans style boogie woogie kind of piano going on but it's yeah it's kind of missing from this but yeah that's not even a complaint that's just an observation because i every time he did lottie miscality i loved it he did it in 1968 and i really loved it the original is one of the very first elvis 45s i've ever had i think shake rattle and roll is on the flip side i might be wrong about that but anyway yeah it's a great song it's really cool that he's throwing in all these songs from 1956 like this on the FTD release of the full mm-hmm. shows, there's also a warm-up show from a few days earlier, I think in Richmond. Yeah, I've not heard is that. Is that pretty much the same set list? It is, except, and that's one of the reasons I know Blueberry Hill was probably just thrown in to screw with the band, is because he doesn't do Blueberry Hill in that concert. Yeah. The, the one where he, the sort of dry run of this concert. There might be one other song he leaves out. But yeah, I know about that concert. I read it was like a dry run of the Memphis concert, and I've read the track list, but I've yet to listen to the concert. Yeah, I might have a listen to that later today. I might as well. I would have listened to it. I just didn't want to get confused by listening yeah, to it yeah. before we did yeah, this. Yeah, I didn't listen so. to it. I, I, I have it, and I'm like, no, nah, I won't listen to it because I might get mixed up. Yeah, same here. But yeah, I don't have much else to say. Lottie Miss Claudie, it's a great oh, What version. can you say? It's not, it's not even two minutes. <laughs> right. But other than Elvis, if there are three people that I could recommend people go back and check out it's laverne baker fats domino lloyd price if you're if you want to take a short break from elvis and check out some absolutely definitive 50s pioneers Mm. uh yeah lloyd price fats domino both new orleans guys and uh, laverne baker i wouldn't say that they're forgotten laverne baker might be but they they should be oh they should be discovered or discovered if you haven't heard of them before absolutely absolutely and you can go through a lot of elvis music and he'll point you in directions like this. Well, yeah, the, a few of the last album reviews we did, mm-hmm. and I'd, I'd look up, oh, who did this song? Did Elvis do it first or someone else wrote it? And then you'd go, you're looking back and you listen to these, uh, yeah, you're going off and listening to people you 
I'd never think of listening to. I didn't right. even know they existed. Like you talked about like the Gatlin brothers and these other people. I'd literally never heard of those names in my life. Yeah. So yeah, makes you go back and listen to people you'd never even knew existed, which is great. Yeah. And like I said, music, as far as I'm concerned, music does not age. I mean, I can hear a song and I'll know it's a 50s song. Uh, you know, I can recognize the era, but it, that's not the same as aging. I can, yeah. you know, pinpoint it, but it's still as valid a song as it's ever been. Exactly. You know, one of my biggest annoyances in any sort of song review or album review, music review, is when someone says, this song sounds dated. Uh, that's, it's my most annoying thing ever. It's like, this song sounds like it's straight out of 1984. It is. Yeah. <laughs> it's because it is. It was recorded yeah. in 1984 with the musical instruments of 1984 and the vocal stylings of 1984. So, of course, yeah. it sounds like it's from 1984. That can't be a criticism. Exactly. It can't be. It cannot be a criticism. It's just a fact. Mm -hmm. It's, and yeah, so many times, oh, this song sounds dated. This song sounds so 80s. It's like, it is, you fool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I hate it. I hate it. I mean, it. once in a while, the lyrics, like I Got a Woman has the line, a woman's place is in the, right there in the home. Uh, that's, that's a dated oh, line. Oh, that song, yeah, <laughs> that, from that album, yeah. Yeah, I What's mean, the name yeah, of that song? I Got a Woman. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, you're talking about the song about a man without, without love is only half oh, a man. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I'm talking about I Got a Woman from this very album. Ray Charles has the line, a woman's place is right there in the home. And yeah, that's yeah, a good, yeah. that's a little dated, but the song isn't. But again, that if that's perfectly fine to say at the time, then you can't mm -hmm. criticize it 50 years later. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And I don't. Though you can argue, maybe it wasn't perfectly fine then, but it was generally accepted. Yeah. Well, at I at think, the least. I think Ray, well, I, I don't want to uh, assume anything about Ray Charles, but I think when he was writing music, it was so much more about the feel of it. I mean, I know that you're a person who you've told me before, you don't really pay that much attention to lyrics. I kind of think in some ways, Ray, when he wrote it, wasn't paying that much attention to lyrics either. And same thing when he wrote What I'd Say. I think it's more about the feel of it and, you know, the words are just kind of flowing out, like when Paul McCartney would write and he would just say whatever popped into his head. Exactly. I was and just it, about to say, yesterday, yeah, we used to be eggs. called like scrambled eggs or something because yeah. he didn't have the lyrics. He just sang whatever. It was about, yeah. you know, the melody and the yeah. words came later. It was the feeling and the yeah, That's so how it was. When I hear that line in I Got a Woman, I don't really think, I don't really spend a lot of time thinking about, oh, this isn't feminist. Oh, or Elvis was a <laughs> misogynist. Uh, misogynist or something. Yeah. yeah. I mean, who, who, who thinks that? Yeah. So, yeah, even lyrics that are easy to place in time to me doesn't date a song or doesn't make a song too old to listen to. Or yeah. Whatever. Anyway, like let's go. We're almost done. Yeah, you're right. Track 14. It's the end. We're here. It's Can't mm -hmm. Help Falling in Love. Pretty standard version, I've got to say. Minute mm -hmm. and a half. Yeah. Great piano, as usual. Band sounds fine. Some good final sung notes from Elvis. But, yeah, there's not much to say about this. It's a... Mm -hmm. It's... Oh, what can I say? It yeah. was the end of the show. He, <laughs> he never seemed to put that much into this, you know. As soon as this song started, he was like, I'll be in the car in five minutes. <laughs> it was... Yeah, it's this is I think as much as it's a goodbye to the audience and everyone's feeling sad and happy at the same time for him. It was just like this is just throw it away and get out of here, even yeah. though it sounds sort of honest and there's a sentiment behind it. Mm -hmm. He never seemed to give it that much energy or anything. Yeah. To, to my ears anyway. I don't know. The problem is this album skips from Lottie Miss Claudie to Can't Help Falling in Love. Oh, yes. We missed 
funny how time slips away because and, I'm guessing that was on one yeah. of the garden shows. And that's his real kind of goodbye song. You know, he's that's yeah. his song of saying goodbye to the audience. And we had this time together and now it's over. Uh, and so by the time you get to Can't Help Falling in Love, yeah, that's just the, the little capper on the show. It's not yeah. a full-fledged song or vocal. Uh, but if you listen to that version of How Time Slips Away, mm-hmm. he does mess around a fair bit. The lyrics are, you know, yeah. he's a bit all over the place. He's <laughs> messing around. So I can see why that didn't make it on the, the album. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of like audience interaction. Like I so said, that, that's his real I'm saying goodbye to everybody song. Yeah. And uh, I can't help falling in love is, is just the capper. Uh, yeah. I don't have much to say about it. It's the ending of every Elvis concert. It. That's it. It doesn't vary that much from show to show. The ones from like 1969 are a little more committed, I guess is the word. But yeah, I, I mean, yeah, this, I've never been disappointed by Can't Help Falling In Love. It's just, that's the way. No, that, it's, that, a, it's a good closing yeah, song. That's how but the show if, ends. If anybody out there knows of a, a closing version, well, not even a closing version, was this always the close? Did he ever do this in the middle of the set earlier on? I feel like there's one bootleg of a show where he, and I might be thinking of C.C. Ryder. There's one where he did it in the middle of the show, I think, and then did it again at the end. My question is, if anyone knows of a longer version of Can't Have Falling In Love that's more than 90 seconds, give me a, <laughs> a two or three minute long version because I want to hear that. Let me know where it is and where I can hear it. Yeah. Because I've heard a lot of these 90 second, not even two minute versions. Well, I, th- I want to hear a longer version with maybe a bit more feeling in it right not just a quick quick get me out of here get the car ready the version he did in 68 i think is probably my favorite version of it even better than the original one okay it has this mass- I'm sure we'll get to that one yeah it has a massive string arrangement that's not at all on the original i mean it's a whole different arrangement yeah wow. the version he did in 68 and then in 69 when he first went to vegas he was still doing pretty much a full version of the song and then by i guess 1970 and onward it became the you know what it is now which is sort of a capper as opposed to a real song the short yeah. closer yeah but it is i mean it's the perfect closer I, I have no issues with it i've never been disappointed by it no and here, fine. here either and i love the announcement elvis has left for graceland yeah. oh he, yeah here we go that's it track 15 closing vamp the the outro we all know oh i didn't even and we yeah we get we get the line we don't get the line elvis has left the building mm-hmm. elvis has left for graceland yeah which i guess you could only say when he was in memphis yeah i mean or very close by <laughs> yeah elvis has left for graceland and it'll be there in three days doesn't have the same yeah. <laughs> ring to it but still he could have been you know an hour <laughs> or two away he still could have gotten the car and driven home yeah but yeah Interesting to hear that. It's a nice announcement because he's like, this was recorded live in Elvis's hometown, Mm -hmm. Memphis, Tennessee. Yeah, I like that. But but then I've got to question that. And I'm like, well, it's not technically his hometown, if you want to argue technicalities. Mm, True. (laughs) He made it his home. But but it's still, it it is the worldwide known spiritual home of Elvis, I guess you could say. If you ask anyone in the world, where's Elvis from? They'll say Memphis, Tennessee. Yeah. Unless you're going to get your hardcore Elvis fans. Like, technically, it's uh, it's Chupalo, (laughs) Mississippi. Come on. Right. Get it right. But no, I think think just like Prince, a lot of people get famous and leave their hometown and go to California or New York or whatever. Mm. Like Minnesota and Prince, Elvis stayed in, in Memphis and, you know, put it, well, I can't say he put it on the map, but he's certainly a big tourist draw even now in memphis tennessee it was oh he's probably one of the biggest that you know for memphis he's got to be the biggest i mean i can't see oh yeah what else to do in memphis <laughs> i'm sure that's I funny mean, but when i think 
again, this is from a non-American point of view, and Americans will probably have a different answer, but when I think what's famous in Memphis, Tennessee, apart from just hearing Memphis, Tennessee mentioned in like so many songs about the early mm -hmm. rock and roll days and stuff like that, it's Elvis. That's the only other thing I can think of that's like, tell me the top three biggest things in Memphis <laughs> from now or then. Well, have, do I even the, know any of them? Well, the Pyramid? No which idea. Is a place. It's a venue. I saw Prince perform there. I've um, heard of it, but only through Prince. But it's not yeah, a, it's not exactly Trust me, it's a, not a famous thing. <laughs> no. I think there's a place called Mud Island that if you Never go to Memphis and you're looking for looking for something to do that isn't Graceland, you can go to Mud Island. Do you know what? I'm going to Google I, right now what mm -hmm. is famous Memphis in Memphis, Tourist. Tennessee. <laughs> and I'm sure the first thing will be Graceland. Yes, number one, Graceland. Sun Studio. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Of course. Yeah. But that is related to Elvis. So. Exactly. It is the home of the blues and birthplace of rock and roll. Not to mention gospel, jazz, R&B, rap, and soul. Okay. Yeah. A lot of that, people make that claim. That's arguable, I guess. Yeah. New Orleans has a pretty big claim to some of that as well. I mean, blues and... Uh, yeah a, lot, yeah, a lot of cities claim that. It's famous for barbecue. Okay. That is true. Didn't know that. Oh, Memphis barbecue? Yeah. Well, I, I, I could argue anywhere in the South has got good oh, barbecue. Right. I mean, if you ask me what's the most famous state for barbecue, I'd probably first say Texas. But again, that's from a non-American mm. perspective because that's just, you know, when I watch Guy Fieri go into all these burger places and man versus food, <laughs> it's always Texas. Right. It's always eating these giant ribs in Texas. Right. Anyway, that's not what we're talking about. <laughs> no, but I wonder if the little announcement Elvis has left for Graceland when RCA was, you know, desperate to find an album cover. I wonder if they got to the end and they're like, well, let's just slap Graceland on the cover. It's mentioned at the end of the Possibly. show. Possibly. So, conclusion, wrap this up. What can we say? Okay. You go first. Okay. I love, I, yeah, it is hard, isn't it? <laughs> Fourth concert album in four years. They're all good, though. I mean, it's not like, I mean, yeah, they've been four in four years, but none of them are bad. This one has definitely got some extra excitement because he's in his hometown. He hadn't played there since, well, I know on a technicality, he, he played a few more shows on the same tour in Memphis, but he hadn't really played Memphis since 1961. So it was a real homecoming situation. Oh, and we didn't even mention that comment that he said, you know, most people say you can't, once you get really famous, you right. can't come back to your hometown, but you just proved that wrong, which is a great thing to say too. Yeah. I remember when I first had this album, I was like, nine or ten years old and i was so confused because what he says is you have disproven that completely yeah and yeah I yeah i, I did notice the way I, he said it whether it was just proven or disproven yeah. every time i listen to it i'm like did he say that right <laughs> yeah as a little kid i'm like i don't think i had heard the word disproven so mm. yeah i always thought he said you have just proven that completely and yeah. i thought he made a mistake but on closer listen yeah it's disproven <laughs> You know, uh, the thing that I like is when he says that that's the only in the entire show, that is the only mm. hint of nervousness that I heard mm. in his voice. It wavers just a little bit when he says that. Yeah. Like near the I, start, I which I've noticed with Prince as well, when they're like off script, like when they're not doing their standard shtick and mm -hmm. they actually have to say something honest, like on the spot. Yeah. It's like confronting and they get nervous. And I really like it. A hundred percent. Because I you agree. know it's real because they're not just doing their standard thing that they do every night. This is like mm -hmm. a thing that he's saying right now in the moment. And I've heard I've yeah. heard Prince do it a lot of times. He gets really nervous when he and he stumbles on his words when he has to say something instantly yeah. when he's got to be sincere about yeah, something yeah. and not not part of the show and, and it's um, great because you know it's it's true it's real yeah 
He does the same when we get to uh, Aloha from Hawaii. There's a part where he's talking about how much money they've raised for cancer. And yeah, you can just oh, hear yeah. his voice. He's just, you know, he's talking from the heart. Nothing's written down. And yeah, yeah. He, he, all of a sudden you see that little bit of humble insecurity. It's a, it's a real guy up there. It's not just this singing, dancing entertainer. It's a, it's a real human. Yeah. He's got feelings. Look at him. It's great. It's yeah. great when that happens. I agree. Well, yeah, um, great album. All I can say is the full version of this show released by Follow That Dream, FTD, it's mm-hmm. great to hear it unedited as it was on the night without, you know, with all the songs, without the fake crowd noises added in. And then you also gonna, get the Richmond warm-up show from, uh, I think, a, a week or so earlier, a few a few days mm-hmm. earlier, mm-hmm. which, I'm, yeah, I'm going to go and listen to that too. Yeah, I am as well, because I haven't, I've not heard that at all. So Yeah, but it's, it's a great album. There's no complaints except the slight complaint <laughs> of the, mm-hmm. the fake audience noise, but they made that decision at the time. Yeah. And I, I want to listen to the albums as they were released, which is, that's how it was. So, okay. But now that the full version's out, I'm much happier. <laughs> yeah. I wish I would have listened to that version. I was, I was not even aware of the extra crowd noise. In fact, the only time that I knew about them doing that was on the, at the end of Bridge Over Troubled Water on the That's The Way It Is album, they added some like fake crowd noise because it wasn't even a live version. But I didn't realize they had had been doing that on some other releases. I'm going to have to go back and check it out. Well, see, that's the thing with all these proper, you know, soundboard concert releases coming out. Anything that comes out from a show that's already been released, now it can be compared as this one can be. And then you can hear the just, yeah. Like, I won't argue, oh, you shouldn't have added overdubs, but at least add mm-hmm. appropriate overdubs. <laughs> yeah. You know, if it's in a auditorium or whatever, coliseum, whatever you want to call it, for 12,000 people, add the appropriate audience noise for 12,000 people, not a yeah. 100,000 people in a stadium. It just sounds wrong. And I know Plus, I'm probably overestimating that, but yeah. it just doesn't mix. It doesn't sound right to me. And that was before I even knew that it had happened. I always thought... That audience sounded a bit weird. I wonder if they just, because I'm sure the audience was mic'd separately. I wonder if they just really cranked the volume on that during the parts you're talking about, or if they really no, did no, just. No, no, it's added. It's added. It's, so it's definitely a different audience being Yeah, because you can okay. listen to the full unedited version, and you can hear the audience, mm-hmm. and they're at the appropriate level for that venue. Yeah. But then when you go and listen to this original release, it's just it's just not right. <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm definitely gonna have to uh, revisit that. And now that you've listened to the the proper normal unedited concert, it'll mm. be so obvious to you, especially if you compare it like back to back as well. It's yeah, like at some points on the original album, like usually just after like the first line of a song when people recognize the song, mm-hmm. you know, on the unedited version, it's like oh, people clap, yeah, yeah, we know this one. Yeah. And then you listen to the original version and it's like this giant roar from the crowd. And it's like, that didn't happen. <laughs> I do have, you know, I do have a vague memory of listening to the the medley, the, you know, Long Tall Sally, whole, whole Lot of Shaking Going On, Mama Don't Dance. And there being way too much crowd noise. But it's been years since I've heard that version. But I, I do have memories now of that. Especially yeah. that because it's a medley. And so the songs are in such quick succession. I just remember like wars of of applause like for every yeah. song yeah i'm gonna go back and check everyone it out. anyway that's a it's a small complaint even though i've mentioned it 50 times <laughs> so. uh i think i think we're done i think so too as we've said almost every review this was longer than i expected it was going to be 
Uh, See, yeah, we go off on right. tangents. That's the thing. I've got like three or four lines written about a song and then we go off talking about something else for five minutes. Right. But that's fine. Maybe people <laughs> like that. Maybe they don't. I don't know. Let us know. Yeah. Well, yeah, I keep researching songs so I can give all this background because I have the same problem. I don't really know what to say always because Elvis is, you know, the performance is almost always great. His voice is almost always great. So, yeah, I've been leading yeah. it, leading into backstory somewhat. Which is fine because, I mean, yeah. especially with live performances, a lot of them are very similar mm -hmm. and we're going to do more live stuff. So, yeah. you know, we are going to struggle at some point to be like, oh, here's another version of um, Pogselerani. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What can we say? <laughs> right. So, yeah, background info is good. But usually Excellent. there's there's at least one or two things every song where he throws in a different lyric or a funny thing or says a funny thing. Mm -hmm. We didn't even mention about the binoculars and the, the, frogs. Oh, the frogs. We didn't even say that. I had that written down because <laughs> I, I always remember him saying that as a kid. And it wasn't until, again, years later, I had gotten this picture of Elvis uh, on stage and not this concert, but some other concert. And the audience, all you can see are the ends of the binoculars, like the entire crowd. Yeah. It does look like a bunch of frogs. You couldn't see any faces. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like you're going out at night with a flashlight and just shining it into the woods and seeing yeah. all the eyes of whatever's looking at you. Now, yeah, there's a lot of audience interaction with this one. Um, there's one woman screaming so loud that he's he says she's got laryngitis or she's... I know he says she's, oh, louder, yeah, he, she's louder than I am and I've got the microphone. Exactly. Was, oh, and she is loud. You can hear her. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> as much as the live performances are probably going to get a bit samey the more we talk about CC Ryder for the 26th <laughs> time, mm -hmm. there's always going to be those comments which are yeah. always going to be funny and different yeah. every show and lyric changes. So there's always going to be something to talk about. I agree. Well, I'm done. So that's it. We're yeah. done. I can hear that music fading in. The best closing music you could ever have. Yeah. We're not worthy, but we'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll see you next time for something else. Yep. See you next time. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>